Bonjour. This is Deconversion Therapy Podcast, and I'm Bonnie. I'm Karen. And we would like you to subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> um, I like the way you say this podcast. Don't go <laughs> subscribing to others. Don't go changing. We're trying to just laugh about uh, how we grew up very, very much uh, intertwined with the Southern Baptist Evangelical Church, and we left that. Karen more of a decision. I was more of a backslider and just never slid forward. (laughs) And that's okay because I started thinking about why I didn't want to go back to church. So we're just, we've just always used humor to you know, get through tough times and just amuse ourselves. That's nothing noble. That's right. And we Um, have not matured in our way of dealing with things. And so here we are dealing with leaving a community and a church and an identity behind. And you know what? A lot of people are still very active. Did I say this on the podcast last week that I went to a memorial service and I couldn't believe how many people got up to take communion? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That That is, well, I think, yeah. But I think they're liars. <laughs> I do. I think it, or it's like that social, like, you know. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I don't know. But I guess a lot of people grew up in the church. Yeah, especially in the U.S. It's such a societal thing, which I always think about when people are like, can't believe I'm not a Christian. And, right. you know, this is the time to say we have listeners who are Christians, Jewish, you know, anyone can listen to this and you know, I doubt you'll get offended unless you enjoy being offended. Then you'll be offended. But That's a really good way to say it. We're not laughing at people. We're more trying to laugh with people and right. at ourselves for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I always think when people are like, you know, can't believe that I'm not a Christian when I'm in the Bible Belt and surrounded by all these Christians, so many times I want to be like, if by a stroke of luck we were all born in Saudi Arabia— you guys would be the ones in full head coverings and right. I would be the one not doing that stuff. But eh, I'm, t- I'm, I'm still not brave enough to do that because I have family. Right. Yeah, right. Maybe. And there, do, I, do people not, uh, they don't think about what came to play to make them born no. who they are and what they are and where they are. Exactly. And why on, you didn't do anything to be lucky enough to be born here. Right. Exactly. That's but, right. And people are like, well, it's by God's grace. <laughs> like, how can right? you say that to like two-year-old, you know, kids in Ghana? But, <sighs> all right, now I'm already getting upset. Oh, sorry. No, I'm joking. We're also on Instagram. And on Facebook, we have a page you can like, Deconversion Therapy Podcast. And then Deconversion Therapy is a closed secret group where you can post things and discuss things and do anything you want in there. Well, I want to add, for people who listen to the Jim Baker versus Pat Robertson Kukoff episode, which I think was just... Two episodes ago, we talked about 
all the buckets of goop and gruel that he's that he tries to sell. And then in our Facebook group, um, there's a woman who runs a a book press, and one of the writers she works with, Josiah Hess wrote something, I think it was for Vice, and it was about watching Jim Baker infomercials, or no, watching the Jim Baker show, I think, for like 24 hours, and everything he learned, and pretty much it was torture, because they just kept selling the whole idea of the buckets, and how you could, (laughs) you know, how the end of the world's coming, and all that. I need some. I need to see some video of what's in the bucket and what you do with it. Uh, I mean, is it gruel? Is it like the way that they give the food to the prisoners on Orange is the New Black? I think some of it's like that. But then some of it, it looks like a, a flimsy burrito-like thing. So I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. And I don't know if I want to, but I was right. researching. That's right. I was looking it up the other day. You know, he sells a bucket of Fiesta, his Fiesta Pail is right. called, which is so disgusting. That's got to have a lot of beans in it. Ugh. And he sells it for $100. And I saw it. I went, like, I wonder where else this is sold. And you can get it on Amazon for $54. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the article on Vice by Josiah Hess is called, I spent 24 hours watching Christian infomercials. And it's just funny. And he he talks about um, the Tasty Pantry deluxe food buckets and how you're guaranteed (laughs) to get over 10,000 servings of pizza, mac and cheese, and chocolate pudding while you wait out the apocalypse. Deluxe and bucket just shouldn't be in the same sentence as food. I know. Okay, so this week we've decided to do healers. I'm going to be doing Catherine Coleman, and you're doing... Benny Hill. (laughs) Always funny. (laughs) His name's Benny Hinn. That's right. But when I first said it to her, yeah. But... When you ended up looking him up, because you're not as familiar with that whole side of Christianity like I am, did you recognize him, though? A little bit. Yeah, because he's like the main one people make fun of. So He's very slick. He's slick, all right. But I really didn't think, when I looked him up at first, I was like, oh, gosh, this there's not that much funny going on here. And so then I was like, well, I'll just trick Karen and look up Benny Hill and see what's happening with, <laughs> with Benny Hill. So I read his history. And then apparently Jane Leaves, who was Daphne on Frasier, she was on the Benny Hill show. That sounds, so, no, it does not sound familiar. Really? There, she yep, would have so been like a baby. Well, Frazier was on a while ago. Yeah, true. Um, and uh, but there she is in her bra, you uh, know. Yep. And there's Benny Hill just being a dirty old perv. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. 
Same with Benny Hinn. No. <laughs> okay, so I'll start. I'm going to do Catherine Coleman, and she was way back in the day. She was born in 1907. And really? She, wow. I know. She um, was born in some small town in Missouri, I think, and uh, ended up, I think, like her older sister and brother-in-law were traveling preachers. She decided to go with them. So she didn't even finish high school. And then she went out on her own doing like tent preaching and then slowly like tent healings and things like that. She became very popular and ended up between the 40s and the 70s going around the country and she ended up having her own TV program in the sixties. That's crazy. Uh, called I, I believe in miracles. So she was really one of the few, no first like televangelists. And she was a lady. She was a lady. So it was craziness. But what's even crazier than being a lady televangelist <laughs> is that she was a divorcee. So she ended up marrying another minister guy. But the whole thing was a little suspect because he (laughs) left his wife for her. And she didn't want to believe that. She didn't know that. She just thought Uh they got divorced, that the wife left him. So everyone was telling her, oh, don't marry him, don't marry him. And she went ahead. She's like, I asked God and I just didn't know. I went ahead and married him, and right after she walked out of the church, she went to, um, like, found her best friend and cried for the rest of the time. Like, I've made a mistake, but I don't know how to get out of it because she didn't want to be divorced. (laughs) And then later they finally did divorce. Um, And so that made it even worse for her. She reminds me of... A woman, a character actress who would show up on, like, Bewitched. And she'd (laughs) wear a long, flowy gown, jewelry. She had her hair, you know, in tight curls, red hair. She was tall. (laughs) She had um, a huge, like, mouth and smile. And she would talk like these and I believe in miracles (laughs) so when I first saw a video of her I was scared shitless until you get used to it because you see like she has this charm about her well that's that's how they roll that's why they are in the position that they are right and she always would say I'm not I'm not a faith healer. I hate being called a faith healer. God I, is. That's it. I don't do anything. And so I read a few things where these Christians would be like, I was skeptical, but what person ever says it's not me, it's God? And I'm like, everyone <laughs> who wants you to believe them. Um, but she, yeah, would have this beautiful flowing dress and she became such a phenomenon that she was on Johnny Carson show. She was referred to on, um, 
Mary Tyler Moore show and what was her name? Ruth Buzzy like did a comic <gasps> skit of her on whatever show that was. Uh, laughing. Yep. Yeah, Rowan and I can see laughing. that. Yeah, so my grandmother was, used to tell me, cut those bangs, you look like Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's that's a good thing. Right, I like I love her. Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> um, but she was just this cultural phenomenon, and a lot of the articles I read on her actually came from, like, People magazine, because she would be in there. They'd do articles about her. Right, I can see her being in Parade magazine, even, yeah, <laughs> the newspaper yeah. insert. But uh, I just Googled pictures of her and all of these pictures, she's got the same kind of long gown on with the wide bell bottom sleeves, bell bottom sleeves, you know, like a flower around the neck type thing, fabric flower. Uh And supposedly all her, she liked the finest things, dresses, all her jewelry was real. She didn't have a big bank account are no let me say she didn't have a large salary but she had a foundation that people would pay into and she did a lot of good with the foundation like opened up schools and different things in other parts of the world but she was later sued for like skimming part from the foundation (laughs) and using it for herself and you know the usual um, they they just can't keep their hands off of that money. It's right there. It's right there. So she's got this really alluring way of talking to people. She was even at Carnegie Hall, I think. But she would be at somewhere in L.A. that she would always sell out. And it would be 7,000 people waiting to get in. And another 7,000 were already inside. Oh, my so gosh. So they would... And she could have them weekly. It didn't matter how long. And they would last anywhere Mm -hmm. from two hours to four or six hours. And she would just start. She would come out. She'd had a beautiful smile, very engaging. But it was the way that she talked. (laughs) And I later read that she said she had a southern draw and a stutter. So she Mm. had trained her self to talk like that because when she did a radio show people couldn't understand her right and I'm wondering what could be a four-hour show could really have been like three hours (laughs) if she had just sped it up and someone is going to any minute say why didn't she heal herself um (laughs) so she would say things like there's someone here who has you know cancer there's but should we get specific someone on the third row is dealing with this and that someone there and there is dealing with this or that um oh i know what i was going to say about her speech habits i wonder if this was the early beginning of some of the preacheries the way that they would talk and preach Mm. because it sounded very affected but hers she had a reason behind it Right. So she would start doing all these healings, and there were doctors who, one doctor who attended quite a few, and he was like an oncologist at John Hopkins, which ain't no, you know, bad show. And he (laughs) said 
that what he saw could only be healings. That's because it was a long time ago and they didn't have testing equipment that they had when they tested the people who were in Benny Hinn's audience. I am thinking the same thing. Like there was no internet. There were no good cameras where you could slow things down and look. Did they have MRIs? And I don't know. I tried (laughs) to look up because it kept talking about. So everything I found was bias, either against Mm -hmm. it or for it. Like there was just no good information, but everything seemed like there were definitely people who felt that they were healed of different things, but arthritis always would be like the number one thing. But I watched one healing where a woman had her kneecaps removed and something and something, and she couldn't walk and right. all that. And then she was walking, and they'd always have her just walk across the stage. And she had a dress on. I'm like, show us the kneecaps. <laughs> just show us, because you're right Lift there. your skirt. And I'm sure a lot of yep. the people believed that they were being healed, and I'll get more into that. But I remember reading the book about her, and... There was like a scene where like the janitors afterwards would sometimes have to pick up tumors to throw them in the trash. What? And I was like, (laughs) I am disgusted. I don't understand this. Why? One, why wouldn't you just pick up the tumor and carry it around and be like, this is in my eye. But I went and saw this lady. Um, Oh, my. uh, That sounds like something completely wrong and false it was like they didn't know that it was poop or something (laughs) everyone just pooped (laughs) so well the shows were very long it sounded like they didn't want to wait for the bathroom exhausted but the thing is they didn't pay off people to do it because right and i and i was doing when i was talking reading about benny hinn uh, you know, they give an explanation for why a lot of these things happened. Oh, good. I want to hear. Because yeah. I think, you know, my, uh, when I was reading this book, I was totally into just getting into this charismatic that people heal and all this stuff. And I was reading it with amazement, but I was also, it was like so foreign to me. There was a doctor who conducted a case of 23 of the people who had said they gotten cured during a service. And then he had long-term follow-ups and he concluded that there were no cures in those cases. One woman who'd said she'd been cured of spinal cancer threw away her brace and ran across the stage at Coleman's command and her spine collapsed the next day. And she died four months later, painfully. But then there would be another doctor who would say, you know, that they saw they had patients and that they were healed. And according to the Coleman people, that two million people had been touched by their ministry and had said they'd been healed. Now, I don't know how they verified any of those numbers or if they did it all. I just thought, okay, why would they verify them? Why wouldn't you just say what you want to say? That's right. So I was reading this book by myself when I was 
21, 22. And Bonnie remembers I broke my arm when I was in seventh grade or sixth grade, seventh grade, sixth, maybe. Okay, we'll say that. So I used to high jump, and I never knew what I was doing. I just (laughs) flail over that bar. I forgot how you did that. We had high jump? Yes. I even did, like, one some ribbons at track meets. It was the sportiest I ever was. Oh, my God, high jump. So our PE teacher said oh, why don't you try the scissors kick over? You know, I don't know. So I did it, and all of a sudden I'm, like, laughing because I'm like, my arm feels funny. And anyway, Uh I had to have two surgeries, and my arm never straightened out. And I was 21, and I'm reading this book, and it was talking. It was getting me all hyped up. I was believing in God. I was praying. I was just into it. And then (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to put my hand because she talked about it's Mm -hmm. not her it's God and anyone can pray for healing so I put my hand on my elbow and I prayed and I'm not Mm -hmm. joking it pops straight and Mm -hmm. I had been going to physical therapy before I had gone to the doctors and we'd tried to straighten it out my parents who are medical professionals we'd worked on that and it never happened till then and it was instantaneous wow and so I always believed okay that's one time I got healed and then another time um I had a female issue (laughs) (laughs) I only had one boob no and I (laughs) went to um, like a healing service where everyone just prayed for the whole place in general. And uh-huh. I was healed then too, but it wasn't a real like healing, healing. But in my mind, I believe these to be miracles, but I am positive now that it was definitely right timing, right placement, right belief in my well, maybe mind you just stretched your arm for once I I it wasn't the stretching <laughs> I think it was the I don't know I would say the force of stretching I think it was that if God was doing it my it was going to be okay and so maybe oh. I just pushed it harder than I usually had I don't know I don't know, but I, I do think it's some kind of psychological thing. Well, I think the psychological thing there that I experienced when I broke my arm and they had to do two operations on me also, and when it was... Oh, you're just better than me. I know. You had two operations, you said. <laughs> I had three. Fine. <laughs> so so they, had, they had taken the plates out, so that meant my bone was like perforated with the holes from the screws. And then I had a little splint on there. And I remember going up to a light switch and being terrified to turn the light switch off. Because 
I was like, oh, if I put the strain on it, my arm's going to crumble. And my mom finally yelling at me, just turn it off. <laughs> so maybe that's what had happened with you. Like, I don't want to straighten my arm out. It feels like it's going to crack. Well, this you are you are again from the same family where your grandmother called my parents to say, Bonnie has her tongue stuck <laughs> on the ice tray in the freezer. <laughs> and she was like trying to pull it off and you're like screaming and my mom's like, pour water on it, you know. And um, I was 21 when that <laughs> happened. It was oh. a miracle. <laughs> but yeah, this the whole idea of... Yeah, if that all could happen. But there are two more little things I'll tell you about her, and then I'm done with her. Done. Oh, you're almost done. All right, I was going to intersperse. Go ahead. Oh, feel free. Intersperse. No, 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 with Benny Hinn. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Um, Two other things. She ended up, yeah, getting... Um, there would be books written about her. Some would be like, oh, she was a fake. Oh, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, but most everything seemed was really positive. And I think, again, it was the time of when she lived. Mm -hmm. When she died, people finally found out how old she was because uh -huh. she never wanted people to know. And that shows ego right there. Um, right. And she even would tell people she was like 10 years younger. But another <laughs> weird thing was that I'm going to try and do this covert speaking where, so I knew some people in Christian industry stuff, and I didn't realize that their very close relative, who I knew of, um, what worked with her. And if you hmm. look her up, you know, you'll see all the people that worked with her forever. And after a while, they ended up splitting ways. And I think mm -hmm. he sued because she was keeping money back and wasn't doing a contract right or whatever. Later, like in the 90s, when I was talking with the family that was related to the people that sued her and had traveled with her and knew her and all that, they were like, you know, even they say they should have never done that because no matter what she was like, ever since they had sued her and spoke out against her, mm. everything started going wrong in their lives. And I can't remember all the things <laughs> that would go wrong in their lives, but people really believed it was because, you know, they, they went up against a woman of God, even if she was a fallible woman. And I'm like, you know what? Let me just look that up while I'm studying for the podcast and see <laughs> what some of those disasters were back in the 90s, 80s, whatever. Right. I couldn't even go back that far because everything was about a few years ago where their business got destroyed by some, you know, I don't know if it was a flood and then the next year, their house got destroyed by oh a flood. And they lost everything, and um, including just, yeah, lots of things that 
had been part of his, you know, their well-known lives. They had lots of art and so forth. Everything they lost. Oh, my God. I know. Although at the same time, because I believe in a different, um, uh, I believe that what we focus on comes into our life. He focuses on water a lot. (laughs) Well, if you focus on the negative like that, you're going to have that energy around you. And sometimes things like that just attract to you. And you've met people like this and you know I I definitely know some complaining whiners for sure. Right. Yes. Um, But there are just some people who just the negative things are going to keep piling on them because there's something about their energy. That's the only word I can, you know, think to say about it. Yeah, Um, maybe. Because if they were litigious and speaking out against her, that could have said a lot about their, their character and personality to begin with. That could have, or it could have been the fear of retaliation. And when you're living in fear, that really messes up your energy. Which, Jim Baker, he's fearing that apocalypse. That's why everything's (laughs) going wrong. That's a healthy fear, like the fear of God. Oh, goodness. I know. Buckets. Buckets. (laughs) Did you say fuckets? Buckets. Okay. Yeah. Buckets. (laughs) So that is the life of Catherine Coleman, and that rolls well into your more well-known person. Yeah, well, it wasn't to me, but <laughs> but now he is. And when you put her name up, I was like, oh, that's who she's talking about, because she's the one who inspired Benny Hinn years ago to do what he's doing. Right. So Benny was born in Jaffa in the newly established state of Israel back then to parents born in Palestine, see, with Greek, Palestinian, and Armenian heritage. Go back to your country. What? I'm just being an awful president. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Yeah, true. But you can hear a little bit of that accent in his voice. He does not have a southern accent. Um... Let's see. So it says he was raised within the Eastern Orthodox tradition. So they, the family emigrated to Toronto, Ontario, and Canada. And Canada. So it talks about the fact that he did not graduate from school, secondary school, and that he was socially isolated and handicapped by a severe stutter. What? Uh, 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 yep. This is interesting. Yep. But uh, he was nonetheless a first-class student. And then it says these claims, however, have been disputed by critics of him. I wonder how much he was pretending to have a stutter because she did. Right, right. And supposedly Moses did, too. So I'm wondering if it's this whole, like, God uses stutters thing. I don't know. Bob Newhart. Ooh. That's yeah. a stammer. Yeah. So he he joined a troop made up of evangelicals. And then that's when in, uh, let's see, in December 73, he traveled by charter bus from Toronto to Pittsburgh to attend a miracle service conducted by Catherine Coleman. Mm-hmm. He says he never met her personally and often attended her healing services um, and has often cited her as an influence in his life. 
so the, the here here comes Florida into the act. When he moved to the U.S., he he came to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> so all this is kind of the boring stuff, but eventually. Um, he conducts these miracle crusades. So there are these giant revival meetings and faith healing events. One of the things that I watched on him, I was trying to not be just, here's the history of him, but more like, let's have somebody challenge it. So there's this documentary called A Question of Miracles. It was on HBO in something like 2001, <laughs> forever ago, but you can find it on YouTube. So he's got this giant auditorium filled with people like a rock concert, but to me, like so much more boring. That He talks slowly. He gets into that thing, like you were saying with Catherine, mm-hmm. with the slow, the slow talking. Right. And they all, and I always notice this, like so many pastors, they, they take these long pauses and I think, uh, so that that's when I was like, oh, I'm going to ask Karen, would you rather <laughs> go to one of these things for two hours or go to a Christian concert? Oh, gosh. I'd probably want to go to the healing thing. But just for curiosity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see but, some shit go down. <laughs> to me, both of them just seem like, boring right anyway um so one of the main things that he tells people is that only those who have been giving to god's work will be spared so if you give to god you're not going to be affected by hard times Uh so then the documentary focuses on this family from india and they have a son with brain tumors and it's so sad because he's in a vegetative state and they're really hoping that bringing him to the healer can help. So they carry him, put him in the back of a car, bring him to the event, and he's sitting there. And the people producing the documentary, you know, they've got the permission to be there from Benny Hinn. And they say, can we have somebody who we're, you know, filming go up on stage? So the family goes up on stage. It's the mom and the dad and the kid in the wheelchair. Um, So Benny lays hands on him at the crusade. And then you find out that this family pledged a hundred dollars a month to mm. the organization, right. and then on top of that, an additional two thousand dollars. And they didn't have the money for that. No, no. Um, and then when you see, don't you think when you see like a whole giant sea of people like that? Okay, they're all they're all dressed. <laughs> it sounds funny, <laughs> but they're all dressed. They all have haircuts. A lot of them had perms at that time. Mm-hmm. And you realize those are the people we see them every day. You never know who you're seeing at Macy's or wherever. Yeah. Coles. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Coles for Benny Yeah. Um, and those people are all around. So somebody's got to be going to these things. Yeah. So back to the 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 child so seven weeks after the crusade he was dead um and then they're interviewing the parents the first question was has benny let you down no Mm -hmm. immediate no and then they ask has god let you down then there's a hesitation and then they start (laughs) talking about what a challenge things are like but immediately they know benny has not let us right right so Uh. i don't know if they've been coached But then, this is the part that I liked. In this documentary, they started discussing the human brain and how 
as humans, when we evolved, the frontal lobes in our brains got bigger mm-hmm. and it gave us memory and the ability to see ahead. So it says <laughs> this, this, you know, documentary commented that we are the only living creatures who can foresee our decay and death. Right. And that's kind of creepy to think about. Yeah. And so I'm sending you a text right now of what that what was on the screen when it said, we're the only living creatures who can foresee our decay and death. <laughs> can you see it? Not yet. Oh, here it comes. Okay. And oh my gosh, I hope I sent it to the right person. Uh, oh, there it is. Hold on. Okay. Oh, gross. It's a it's foot. A foot. <laughs> it's a deformed, disgusting foot. What no, is it's that? a foot where they're burning the body. So, oh. oh. So, because we're the only living creatures who can foresee our decay and our death, like my sweet dog sitting over there, she doesn't know what's coming. Um, <laughs> no. It said to compensate, the temporal lobes and limbic system were regrouping. So they were opening this gateway to fantasy and emotion and creativity. And we developed a religious sense to explain to us what happens after we die. Right. So despite all the science and the evidence, millions of people are still turning to religious healings. Yeah. Um, and then they talked to some people who were psychologists psychiatrists, psychologists, I'm not sure what, but they talked about how the people in the crowds were genuinely affected. Um, uh, What he did was very close to what professional hypnotists do Mm -hmm. and talking slowly. And there was a whole procedure in getting these people prepared to be in a hypnotic state. And, um, and that's how they were explaining the healing thing where they like one of the things that he said to people was, um, where's the word substance (laughs) and he would fling his arm at them and they'd fall down on the stage. Right. So that's the old hypnotist trick. Yeah. And they would do it to the group. Have you ever been able to be hypnotized? I've never had it attempted on me. I have, and it just doesn't work for me. Right. And, uh, which is upsetting because my mom used it and so did my grandparents to stop smoking. But I would love to be susceptible like that to some kind of nice suggestion. Well, maybe you're more evolved. Who knows? I well, I'm thinking maybe I don't have that, you know, part of the brain that all of <laughs> these <missing>. people. <laughs> well, so then they talked about. They talked about the characteristics that people like Benny Hinn and Catherine have um, who can rally crowds yeah. and influence them, you know, like like Hitler they referenced. <laughs> I love that. Right. So they have similar characteristics and that the God experience where you feel like there's a presence and somebody has spoken to you right. and you've gotten a message, that is an electrical charge in that temporal lobe mm-hmm. that they can recreate in the lab. So they talk about the science of that and how the progression of these things happen in the large group experience. And And you and I talked about that before where I had felt that many times. I know. And I just didn't accept there's, there's something that happened like in 2013 where I became obsessed with tennis Mm -hmm. 
And it, like, to me, that's the most recent (laughs) thing that I can say. Something happened. And I was just entranced. And uh, everything changed. Right. And and I'm so happy about that. But I think that something happened, like, with my temporal lobe. It must have been especially, you know. Did you go to a, like, public... A public tennis viewing? <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. It was one specific match. I was watching the U.S. Open, and one specific match kind of did it to me. Right. And then I was like, well, this this tournament's over. I've got to start playing. And then it becomes, you know, just, <laughs> it's just being a human. Yeah, All exactly. All of these things that we're doing. Yeah. Um, so my temporal lobe is just more messed up than other people's. But I think it explains why a lot of people are in congregations. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and they believe their conversions. Yep. And when they interviewed, oh, what you were saying before with Catherine, uh, when they interviewed him and said, do you believe you're healing these people? And he said, no, God's doing it. Right. When he's in an interview, he gives good answers that sound like, well, I'm kind of doubting it too. And this is what I've come up with. Yeah. So he didn't sound like too much of a, you know. A schlock. No. Now describe what he looks like so that our viewers here, um, People will go like, oh, that guy. (laughs) So in the thing that I was watching with him, he had on a very, very tailored suit with pleated pants. But I think now he's wearing something a little bit more like a white suit that looked like an Indian style jacket. Yes. Definitely an Indian look. Yeah, the collarless. The little tab collar thing. Again, J. Jill. Yeah, sponsor. Um, and uh, he's he's got like an olive complexion. He has a little sandpaku under the oh, under the eye. There you go. <laughs> um, but he's got I don't know what's happening with his hair. It's not as it's not as done as Trump's, but there's something where it's been it's fluffed, definitely. and folded over <laughs> yeah. and sprayed. It's still televangelized hair. Yeah, and sure. it's it's better than some. Yeah. Um and it's silverish and um It used to be brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he like it always is him going on a stage and throwing his hand out and people falling over which for the really the first time people really saw that was with Catherine Coleman. Yeah, And they didn't even say slain. And I think they began to say slain in the spirit, but they'd be like the spirit made them fall and all that. So he definitely took, took after her. Yeah. And something that I read said that his father thought that he wasn't going to be a success. And so he decided, oh, yes, I will. So maybe he saw the model that she was doing. And of course, I think being that it was, the time that it was, he figured, well, if a lady can do it, I can do it 10 times better. Mm-hmm. But that's just me putting that assumption on people, which isn't fair. The other thing is his nephew has just come out with a book. I think it came out last Tuesday. Is Tuesday book day? Uh, yeah, I don't know. So he also has a like an abbreviated version or maybe an adaptation of what was in his book in the Christian post. Uh-huh. 
Um, so his nephew's name is Costi Hen. I hope I'm pronouncing Coastie? it right. Costi? 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 I don't know. Is it co- cool. Okay. Like C-O-S-T-I. Costi Hen. Oh, okay. Um, so it talks about how in 1999 he was the most famous and controversial prosperity preacher and faith healer. But to Costi, he was his anointed uncle who God was using just to show us <coughs> how to live. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> but to me, he was my anointed uncle whom God was using to show us how to live a life of blessing and abundance. It was the way God intended everyone to live, and we were living proof. Um, so he says in here that in one sermon that he heard growing up, his uncle said that if they wanted God to do something for us, we needed to do something for him. No money, no miracle. <laughs> so, of course, to me, that's like the Caddyshack. Ah, you don't got 50 cents, you don't get no Coke. <laughs> no money, no miracle. Right. So giving to God was the secret to unlocking your dreams. It was the secret to job promotions. It was access to our divine bank account. He says that Oral Roberts was one of his heroes Mm -hmm. who taught him about the system of believing and giving and receiving. Um, He said it seemed like he could open the windows of heaven and cause them to rain down blessings on his own life. It was a money in, money out transaction with God as the banker. So for a long time, he said things went well for their family. They were healthy, happy, and rich, but inevitably real life intruded for his mom's side of the family. His uncle, George, was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so the situation worsened because everybody was being challenged. He didn't heal. He ended up passing away. And, of course, everybody was like, what about this guaranteed healing? So how come all these people are healed but not Uncle George? Right. And before he knew it, he said his Aunt Debbie had distanced herself from the church and the cousins from from them. All this drama unfolded. And then they had this. They were given an explanation for his death. They rationalized that Uncle George must have done one or more of the big four, which caused him to lose whatever declared healing was guaranteed. Ugh. The big four are... are a list of reasons why God didn't heal people and went something like this. Making a negative confession... Using negative words about your physical condition would hinder your healing. But that's kind of what I was saying before. You're <laughs> about the people. <laughs> well, about the people who were, you know, who left Catherine. Right. They used negative words about their condition. Mm-hmm. You're yep. towing the line of televangelists. <laughs> um, number two, hanging around negative people. Allowing the negative words of others about your physical condition would hinder your healing. Um, not having enough faith. Yeah. Or giving enough money to prove your trust <laughs> that God would heal you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and touching the Lord's anointed, speaking against or opposing a man of God who is anointed. That's true. Doesn't that sound like the family that you said exactly. left, Catherine? Yeah. Like that, that's always been like, a, especially in the charismatic movement, even preachers who I really respect, they would preach that. They're like, you know, even no matter how bad those people can have their own, like, suffering and their own, you know, falling from grace, that you Mm -hmm. just should pray for them because if you are accuse them or do something like that, you take away God's safety net for you. And I always thought, that's pretty scary. 
<laughs> it's very twisted, but it's all about, I think, human behavior, too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the last thing I wanted to mention was I went on Amazon to read reviews of the book. Yeah. And these just came out. They're all five-star reviews. Uh-huh. Um, none of them are from people who are defending Benny Hinn. Uh-huh. I guess they wouldn't read this. Yeah. yeah. Probably. <laughs> but, and let's see, there are 30 reviews. So I suppose they could all be 30 people who know the nephew. But they're all saying the same thing, that he writes it in a way where he's not, he's not totally out to expose them in a mean way. What he wants to do is just point out that this lavish lifestyle of the prosperity movement yeah. is not right. Yeah. He shares his story. Somebody said his writing was winsome. Like, I've always loved that word. I do, too. It shows that the false gospel is appealing, but falls short of the actual biblical gospel. So, you know, he's still a pastor. Right, right. Costy. Wow. It's very, yeah, interesting because then the whole thing, like, Costy, you know, looks down at his phone, gets in a fender bender, and it's going to be like, see, you tried to come against <laughs> Benny Hinn. And all that stuff right. really is going behind the scenes, like, all the time and some of the organized religions. And it's insane because people can interpret anything in any way and use that as you know, ammunition that their way is the right way. Life is too complicated to make it. it. It's not that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating that his nephew's writing that. And I mean, Benny Hinn is a caricature. Like if you, every time <laughs> I'm posting things to our Instagram or anywhere else, like you can, um, either I'm trying to find a GIF, GIF, yeah. whatever, <laughs> or a sticker to put on things, there are mm-hmm. certain things that come up. Like when I put Michael Cohen, there's one of, you know, plenty of Michael Cohen, plenty of Trump. Benny Hinn shows up. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in, in gifts and stuff like that, because he's such a, he's the stereotypical Crazy this is who Robin, yeah, this is like who Robin Williams was doing whenever he would do his evangelical character. Uh, yes, absolutely. His faith healer thing. And you think that it's silly, but then you see the real thing. And you're like, it's <laughs> just didn't really and <laughs> you didn't have to add much. No, exactly. It's pretty much so I don't know if you remember when it was quite a few episodes ago, I'm going to pause and see which one it was. It was, unfortunately, I have to say Trump's name again because that's what we were doing the episode. But I'm going to name the episode. We weren't doing it on him. We were doing it on Bala White. Correct. Maybe. Yeah. So. You can call him Lorange. 13. And we were okay. talking about Paula White. And that's a crazy story itself. He, Benny Hinn, was the one that I referred to that all of a sudden he and she were in Italy together and the National <gasps> Enquirer took pictures <laughs> of them holding hands and leaving a hotel together. Mm. And in like 
you know, they both denied everything. Well, sure. And then within like two or three months, his wife divorced him. And then. Oh, right. They divorced, but they've been remarried. They've remarried. Of course. It's good for business. Paula White kept denying it. And then later, I think it was Benny Hinn who said, okay. You know, the truth is I had a transgression, but it was only of the mind. And so, (laughs) and he's like, but I have to ask forgiveness because that was bad enough, blah, blah, blah. So there's this whole thing of like, okay, but, you know, she keeps saying no and all this. But they're like the top, you know, influential Christians. And they just. Oh, my God. Right, right. It's so weird. It is so weird. But I guess if it's like any other industry, you date who you hang around with. Yeah, that's true. You find attractive. My mom always said, if you hang out with a boy long enough, you'll find him attractive, Karen. And that's her way of saying, like, hang around other people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look wow. somewhere else um it, that's funny but i was gonna say something about well one all these people had you know tons of money oh but both Catherine coleman and benny hen well she would say they didn't finish high school but um she would say i don't you know, God's using me, a very plain person. And she would tell people, even before she went on stage, if there were pastors that came backstage to see her before she went on, she'd say, now what you're going to see, I am the plainest of people. I am just plain. Even though she's in like a long evening gown, like she's guest starring on Lawrence Welk's (laughs) show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then... She would go out there and give her whole, like, you know, I was born in a town of only 1,200. I don't have any talents. I'm one of the few people who was born with no talent, but God's using me. And it's this whole, like... I'm just like you. Yes. And I'm worse than you. And I'm, you know, I'm really making you feel close to me. But if you read between the lines, just like with him, it's also a, a, I have nothing else I can do. If this doesn't work, I have no other way to make my money. And so I'm going to become really good at this. But they have to have some kind of charismatic thing about them. Like I could not get up there and do it. (laughs) I can't imagine me getting up there like, oh my God. You guys, can we wrap this up in 15 minutes? <laughs> and I'd be like, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> All right. So we have um, not become healed. And Benny Hinn is probably on television right now. If you switch your channels and people are falling <laughs> over and there are modesty blankets up at front, I bet. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. There's a lot to unpack. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. I'm at the end. There you go. I'm exhausted now. All right. Well, have a good one. Have a good week. I'll be praying for you. (laughs) I always want to say that. And I will not.